Hello, and welcome to the Keep It Local Maine podcast, where we tell the stories of local business owners, artists, and entrepreneurs, and learn more about what they do, who and what inspires them, their challenges, successes, and more. My name is Todd Regalinski. And I am Kimberly Regalinski. And we are the publishers of Keep It Local Maine, a magazine that helps to showcase local businesses to the people in and around their communities. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly podcast that you can subscribe to on most streaming services such as Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and others. You can learn more about us at Keep at localmain.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube through the links in the show notes. In this episode, we'll be talking with Maine real estate agent Lisa Andrade. Lisa Andrade of North Point Realty is one of the top performing agents in Southern Maine. She specializes in residential family listings and has some amazing community connections that have helped her to grow her business to a whole new level. People looking to invest, buy, or sell, listen up. Welcome to the show, Lisa. We're so glad to have you here today. Thank you guys for having me. This is great. So I love talking about real estate. And you kind of have a unique story because you used to actually be a teacher and then you transitioned transitioned <laughs> into... Do you, do you want to take that one again? No. <laughs> Here we go. Well, it's perfect. All right. First edit. Okay. You know what? I'm not going to edit that. That's that's just keeping it real. <laughs> that's just keeping you used it, to real. Be a, Keep it real. You used to be a teacher and then transitioned into real estate. How did that transition happen? So it was actually kind of unique in my situation because um, I was a teacher for a long time, a music teacher um, locally right in Westbrook. So hopefully some of my listeners or the listeners of this podcast will recognize my voice. I loved being a teacher, loved teaching kiddos. And through some kind of hard times, I really had always had a passion and interest in doing a house flip someday. I guess maybe in the back of my mind, I never thought I would really actually do it, Mm -hmm. but I got my real estate license. And through some really hard times when I wasn't quite able to make ends meet, I became a single mom. I decided to put that real estate license to use. Mm-hmm. And I kind of started, you know, dabbling in real estate with a few of my really great friends as clients and my career just took off. I actually ended up teaching and being involved in real estate for about four years um, before I transitioned fully into real estate mm-hmm. because I was just so passionate about it. Um, I felt that it was it was time for me to make that transition and that change. Mm-hmm. So it's been an interesting road for sure, but one that I'm super proud of and really happy that I was able to make. That's great. Now, what level were you teaching at? So when I first started my music teaching career, I taught grade four to 12 in Old Orchard Beach, and I was teaching vocal and um, general music. And then my seventh year of teaching, I moved over to Westbrook Schools and I taught there. Um, I taught chorus. I taught general music. I had some amazing, amazing students. And I also had the privilege of teaching band sectionals as well, too. I am instrumentally trained primarily. And then I became a chorus teacher sort of once I launched my career. Wow. So what type of an instrument do you play or instruments? Um, so these days I actually, um, just about a half an hour ago, finished teaching my son some percussion stuff, um, for a music camp he's going to, but, um, you know, we're sort of trained to know how to play everything, but my primary instrument was saxophone. That's what I started on. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was so cool. Todd I plays was- the saxophone. So he, he liked that. <laughs> oh yeah. See, um, Todd, we should jam sometime. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That'd be, how about we do it on keep it local main sometime? <laughs> yes. That would be interesting. Let's that would it. be, that would be a first for the podcast. <laughs> <Yes>. Certainly. 
<laughs> so um, cool. Yeah, right. So I ended up double majoring in saxophone and clarinet in college. And um, I actually play more piano than anything else now these Ooh, days. Love it. Yeah. I, I was always, I wasn't a music major in college, but I was friends with mostly music majors to the point where people thought I was a music major because I was always just like kicking around the music building, just yeah. being a nuisance to everyone and anyone. And I, I was always so envious of the fact that it is sort of like that learning how to have some sort of functional ability on, you know, piano, guitar, on all these different instruments. And I was always like, man, that is incredible. You know, never thinking to myself like, oh, hey, I could do that too. I could, I could self-smarten myself. And I didn't, but I was, I always thought that was so cool that music teachers would do that and kind of accumulate all of Mm. these, you know, these skill sets, not like, you know, virtuoso, but would have those skill sets to be able to, to go, oh, okay, well, I need to teach a kid, you know, some percussion stuff. Well, for a for a ten year old, I can I can teach them. You know, oh, yeah. we used to joke around um, at the middle school level that I am not the best trombone player or trumpet player, but I really love to play both instruments. And so, if I'd go in and, you know, the kids would laugh at me because I could only I could barely hit a D, um, and when I did, it didn't sound very good at all. And so it was always like a big joke. You know, Mrs. Andrade is coming in to play trumpet today and everybody would get a kick out of it. But you only have to really be like one step ahead of where the kiddos are. So it worked well for me at the middle school level. Um, it's like they say when you're running away from a bear you don't have to be faster than the bear just the person next to you is that same sort of theory (laughs) basically now i want to know from you todd where did you go to school and what was your major because i don't know that i went to university of new hampshire and uh, i majored in communication okay do you mind if i ask you what year you graduated i graduated in oh my gosh i have to think about it that's Mm -hmm. sad right there i know 99 yeah. Okay. So I went to UNH in '99, oh, wow. and no I graduated. Way. Yeah, I did. That's, <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah I, and- I was only there for like a half year. I actually graduated in December of '99. Oh, okay. Yep. So I would have been there just that first semester, but what a cool music building at UNH. The Paul Creative Arts Center is amazing. The staff there is amazing. I still keep in contact with a lot of them, but it's a really great school. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that building will be there forever apparently because ain't nobody giving them more money to, to rebuild it. <laughs> I don't think there's any plans. No. The rest of the, after, after, you know, after the apocalypse, there'll be cockroaches, Keith Richards and that building. And that's going to be it. <laughs> it's going to be it. Um, but, but speaking of kind of those accumulating skill sets, I'm always kind of interested in people who accumulate a lot of skill sets. Cause I feel like I've kind of done that, not in any one particular direction, but do you feel like the skills that you learned as a teacher and maybe even as a, as a musician have carried over to real estate and, and helped make you better at what you do now? I mean, I really think so. I think that most of what I learned as a teacher was so valuable and important to me being able to be successful right away in real estate. The number one skill set that I actually don't think a lot of people maybe think about, but has just been such a saving grace for me, has been the amount of technology I had to use as a teacher. 
um, especially like mm. these days, right? Mm. Um, just getting to know like what was important to my students, how they consumed information and media and stuff like that, and tailoring my class to be able to use various types of platforms or websites and mm-hmm. really staying current with all of that stuff. When mm-hmm. I transitioned to real estate, my ability to navigate and build websites and things like that just came in handy and, and was mm. invaluable. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's funny because I think a lot of people assume like, oh, well you worked with people and, and I can't even, that's, you know, that goes without saying more than just working with people. I worked with families as a teacher Mm. and that's what I do now. It's basically the same thing. Instead of educating about music, um, and working with children, I'm working more with the entire family on figuring out what their needs are, where Mm. they're at, what works best for them, how to approach different situations. And I'm sort of like a professional problem solver. And that's what I did in music too. I mean, just working with my son a little while ago on his percussion piece, I could tell he was kind of eye rolling and getting annoyed with me. So in my head, I was sort of troubleshooting, like, how can I make this more interesting for him? And Mm -hmm. I put on, like, we didn't start the fire in the background and we were drumming to that, you know? So Mm -hmm. like just little things to spice it up. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I feel like I try to do with real estate. And what makes me unique is, for example, I just hosted a 4th of July barbecue open house the other day. I'm always trying to think outside the box at things that other real estate agents aren't doing or different approaches, you know, to viewing a property or photography, things like that. And it's, it's really just being able to be creative and more of like Mm. a visual and marketing way versus Mm. in like an auditory musical teaching way. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's great. And I'm sure that some of the, the patients you develop or, or just that patience within the troubleshooting problem solving realm helps a lot too especially if you encounter someone like me who I've in our interactions with real estate agents over the years, I can see them as I ask a question kind of shift in that. Okay. I have to explain to this to him like he's a fifth grader. All right. Hang on a second. You can actually see like the downshift as they're like, all right, let me break it down to you. Yeah. Well, and then, so that just kind of goes back to what I was talking to as well. I found a lot of success with creating visuals, creating handouts, creating flowcharts, workflows for not just my clients, but for people on my team who work with me um, as well too. Because again, I think that when you work with kids, you learn that everybody kind of learns in a different way. And so if Mm. the way I explained it the first time didn't really work, I know there's at least four or five other ways I can approach that. And so I do the same thing now with families who are looking to sell or buy, you know, hey, let me shoot over an email with this process just so you can kind of keep tabs on the order that things are going, stuff like that. And I know that really works well for me too. So I just try to mix it up. Um, If I feel like something's not quite getting across, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily that person. Mm. It's just maybe the way that they receive information needs to be a little Mm. different. That's great. Yeah. A quick programming note here from post-production land. This interview was recorded in early July 2022 and is because of our posting schedule and also a few things beyond our control is not being posted until early September 2022. So this next question that Kim is going to ask, Lisa is responding to what is she is seeing in early July 2022, not necessarily what is happening in the market in September 2022. So most of her general remarks more than likely are still going to hold up. However, any kind of specifics are going to be what she was seeing in the beginning of summer 2022 and not necessarily the beginning of fall 2022. So one of the questions I wanted to ask is, how have you seen the market change just within this last year? It's been absolutely insane for the last few years. 
What is the last year and just currently where we're at? What have you seen? What do you see? Yeah. So I've seen more change in the last month in the real estate market than I have in the last few years. Hmm. Um, and so I hesitate to, you know, really put my thumb on it because I think it is still actively changing and it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of different every morning I wake up and, and look through, you know, the MLS. But in general, I would say in this last month, particularly maybe since the last Fed interest rate hike, I think buyers got kind of creeped out. And I think that we saw buyers sort of slow. I think we saw more inventory hitting the market as well too. Mm-hmm. And I think also summer in Maine also hit and people are vacationing. And let's be honest. I mean, I have a lot of buyers right now who have been looking, oh, not a lot. I have a couple that have been looking for almost a year wow. um, mm. with no success uh, or they've put plenty of offers in, but, you know, just not getting the home they wanted feeling like they really did everything they could in the offer to get a home, yeah. it gets tiring, you know, and and you get your heart broken over and over again and, and you kind of get defeated. So I've seen a lot of buyers this summer sort of take a break coupled with, you know, summertime mm-hmm. and then coupled with that interest rate hike and more inventory things in certain market areas um, in Maine seem to have slowed a little bit. If you go on realtor.com, you'll see, in certain towns, there are more properties and a lot of them have price reductions on them right now. Mm. Hmm. A lot of them are sitting on the market for more than what, like the five or seven days <laughs> that we were seeing, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. has been for a long time. You know, that's what I'm seeing right now. But then again, just in the past few days, I feel like there have been not quite as many properties hitting maybe the 4th of July weekend. So it's a really sensitive thing. I feel like every day I wake up and I'm sort of trying to gauge where we're at things. Interest rates have kind of come back down a little bit again too. So I'm interested to see what happens with that. In general, I would say not a lot has changed thing. The pace has just slowed. Mm -hmm. So I'm anxious to see sort of what direction that takes. And I wish I had a crystal ball to say what was going to happen next. I truly don't know. I don't think we're going to see a market crash like people have talked about. I think things will slow and sort of steady and even themselves out. That's, I mean, just my own opinion. So yeah, we'll see. So in talking about, you know, buyers, sellers, and and all of the the actions that, that each side can take, what are five tips that you would give sellers who are getting ready to to sell their homes right now? So it's interesting because I have a bunch of sellers. I just listed a property this morning. I'm about to put another one up this afternoon, a couple last week. I've got a lot of sellers right now going on the market. And these are some things that I talk about pretty regularly. And these are some things that I've done some materials on actually on my Instagram and Facebook page. I think I just put out a visual on this today, but the top five mistakes that I see sellers making in no particular order, but I will tell you the one that I think is most important right now. Number one, I think not preparing your house quite enough for showings is a mistake. So I really guide my sellers as best I can to declutter their homes, really try to give as much of a blank slate as possible. And I know you guys know I work 
really closely with some staging companies, um, in mm-hmm. particular TS Staging and Design. My good friends, Teresa and Stephanie, I call them anytime I have a home that I think could really benefit from staging that's really staging ready because staging works. It really does. It allows buyers to see the possibilities of what the house could be um, mm-hmm. at a really high level. So I really do ask my sellers to declutter as much as possible, clean. I also have a whole other team of people I work with that help my sellers. So I have a cleaner, I have contractors, painters, everybody's ready to go um, when my clients need help. So that's invaluable. The next thing is I see some people toying with for sale by owner. You know, and it's hard as a realtor for me to say to you, you should never sell your home by yourself. Use a realtor, you know, because I'm a realtor. But that's the advice I would give to any of my brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, anyone. You should use a realtor because it's not, I know that people get nervous about paying commission from time to time and they're like, well, I think I can do this, but I can't even tell you being on the inside of real estate now, how much more goes into it, how many nuances there are that I just didn't understand, how much market studying real estate agents do, and also just marketing practices, right? Like you are paying to market your property at a very high level. So there's a lot that comes along with that. And then something sort of new that's just sort of recently become a problem for some of my sellers is from time to time, we go on social media and we share that our houses are for sale and somebody will ask you, oh my goodness, did your house sell yet? And my, you know, a seller would go on there, for example, and say, oh, we got 10 offers on the first day, but we're going to, we're going to wait because we think we're going to get an all cash offer, blah, blah, blah. You know, and they give out information online mm. about their property, but I can promise you if I have a buyer, I'm always trying to look up the seller's on Facebook and see Mm. if they're talking about their homes. So I can get insider info for my client. Yeah. So Mm. I always tell my sellers, don't talk about your house on social media. You can advertise it and say, Hey, this is for sale, but do not give out information about offers you have or any information like that online. That's smart. All right. I have two more for you. Please don't ever be home during a showing or (laughs) as a seller. (laughs) Or as a seller, please don't offer to show your own house like at an open house. And I don't want to sound like a jerk, but it's just kind of weird. And I don't know. I understand as a homeowner, you know the house better than everybody. But firsthand experience as a realtor going to a home with a client who's looking to buy. I've met sellers before that have literally talked my clients out of a house. And sometimes it's nothing malicious. It's just them talking about details about the house. But sometimes too much information, too much history comes out, and then it leaves questions in the buyer's minds, and then they're not really sure. So I just think that that can be kind of a slippery slope. Just Mm. have a real estate agent show your house, or please don't be home during the showings. Mm. Um, Makes it awkward for the buyer, and they want to be able to talk freely um, and explore the home to see if it's a good fit for them. Yeah. And then do you guys have any idea what the number one mistake sellers make in this market? I don't know, but I feel like there should be some sort of drum roll here. I I don't. Todd, you wanted to be a musician. I have no idea if that's actually (laughs) going to come across in the mic. (laughs) I couldn't even guess. That's okay. Yeah. It's overpricing your home. Ooh, I was going to say something about price. Yeah. 
I love how you say that really after was. after the after it comes out like oh yes that's totally what I was I going really to was. say I just yeah, wow overpriced after you I, after you believe the exact words you you said where I have no idea then oh that's what I was going to say well it was yes okay. that was my- good job Kim yes yeah so overpricing is dangerous I get that it's painful to underprice your home in a market that's been aggressive. Um, and has slowed. I get that it's scary to do that. But just as an example, um, there was a property over the weekend that I had my eyes on and it was listed insanely low. Like I would say a hundred to $150,000 lower than it should have been. And that property was literally on the market for less than one day. I mean, it takes a lot of guts to list low and not, mm-hmm. it's not for everybody, but I think that it's a unique strategy. Um, and I think that it gets results. Overpricing your home is dangerous because there's a real negative impact when a house sits on the market for what would be considered too long. Mm. Buyers do question what's wrong with it. Mm. Um, so you just have to be really careful with pricing and just trust your realtor. I get that it's scary. And I've had to do it myself too. So I understand that. But it works. So don't yeah. overprice your home. That's great. Yeah. So those are my top five. Nice. So one of the questions I wanted to ask is, obviously in real estate, it can be very fast paced and you're constantly on the go. There's no, you know, Monday through Friday work hours. How do you manage your time and avoid burnout? I don't. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Alrighty then. Next question. (laughs) Um, That's tough because... But for me, I mostly have my office here in my house, but I do have an office just down the road in Westbrook as well, too. Um, When I work from home, there's very little separation between home and work. So it kind of does appear sometimes like I am always working. And I definitely have sensed some burnout from time to time and not had a lot of days off in this market. But one thing that I've really tried to work on this year, and I have a business coach who's been phenomenal in helping me with this, is something called time blocking, where I plan out sections of my day for certain things, and I really stick to them as best I can. Hmm. Uh, doesn't always work. I'll just be honest with you. I also do have um, some great real estate agents that are working with me, newer agents as well now. So I really try to plan my day as best I can around what hours I have available. Mm-hmm. Um, and if for some reason I am not able to accommodate a last minute showing or a really important urgent situation, I have some really great newer agents who are able to kind of step up and help with that. Not to mention just everybody at North Point Realty that I work with has been amazing at helping each other out or covering for one another. So I just really try to like lean on the other people that are in my community. Uh It's not easy. I mean, you guys are small business owners, so you know that it's hard and it's especially hard when you're really passionate about something because in Mm. my free time, I like to look at houses and I like to go on the MLS. <laughs> and uh, sometimes on my way home, my husband will be like, Hey, are you on your way home? And I'm like, Oh, I just have to stop by an open house really quick. It's calling to me. Um, so it's really dorky, but I really genuinely like love and am passionate about real estate. So it's what I do in my fun time too. Mm. So it's That's a little great. bit of a fine line there. Yeah, certainly. The time blocking thing, I think sounds cool. has a lot of merit and I, I've, I've tried that in different ways and I think I've, 
I've kind of honed in on a way to, to do that for myself, but that's, it's interesting how there is that flexibility, like you were saying, like you just can't say, well, now I can't do that possibly, you know, because it's not, it's outside the block or whatever. Like there is that element of flexibility. Um, and that's what, just what I've seen in, in people who do real estate in general, like they're, <laughs> they're just able, okay, well, I guess I got to go do this now because it's, you know, there's always something happening. Yeah. And I do, I will be honest, like I'm not great at it sometimes. And the other day we were at a family barbecue and I had to leave to go put up open house signs, you know? Um, so there are times where it really does eat into what I would consider to be normally my free time, but that's kind of the ebb and flow of the business. Um, so, but as my business grows, I am getting better at, you know, sort of compartmentalizing and time blocking and allocating certain things um, to some of the awesome people I work with. So fingers crossed, I'm going to continue to grow in that area, but it, it is tough for sure. Well, the experience uh, will help, help move you in that direction. Mm-hmm. Hoping so. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the, uh, one of the questions that is kind of always on our list is, uh, is a rather interesting question because of the, the, just the sheer number of answers that there are, but yeah. how would you say that you define success either personally, professionally, or, or maybe even a combination of the two? So my primary answer and the primary, you know, reason I got into real estate was so that I didn't have to worry. You know, I got into real estate at a time that was really difficult in my life and it provided me with the money that I needed to not have to worry. It's different now. Um, my life is completely different. I have an amazing life. I have a wonderful family and I don't worry because I've established some really great, um, systems and really great people, great career. I have awesome clients, but I would say that success for me initially was that just not having to worry about providing for my kids, Mm -hmm. um, which is such a fundamental thing as a parent. That's so important. Yeah. And I think from there, success for me is being able to have the freedom in my life to, you know, help my kids with their percussion auditions and get them on the school bus in the morning and be able to go on field trips. That is huge for me. So a lot of my success I find located around my ability to provide for not just financially, but time-wise back Mm. to my family. Mm -hmm. And so you know, although I do work a lot and I am not always present. I was just telling Kim the other day that, or this morning that, you know, we're not really, we don't have anything major planned for summertime this summer. But one of the things that has been my focus has been being more present, um, at home here. So I would say for me, that is success. And then in addition to that, I think just finding something I'm truly passionate about mm. that doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Um, that's that's awesome. I didn't know that that was really a thing. I mean, I loved teaching. I loved my students. But I realized that there were a lot of things about working an eight to three job or seven to three job that were hard for me and that I missed out on certain things um, that were really important to me. So yeah, that would, that would be how I would define success. It's fantastic. Mm. So another question that we like to ask, because we are professed kind of inspiration junkies, is who or what inspires you either personally or professionally? You know, I think that I see inspiration 
in so many places. And I'm just going to kind of give a general answer. And then I think I might be able to hone in a little bit more on specifics. I love watching TikTok videos of inspirational realtors. Mm. I love looking at architecture. I love design. So those things in general sort of inspire me Mm -hmm. and give me ideas and are a real fuel source for me. Mm -hmm. I think that I didn't really realize it maybe until a few years ago, um, my mom passed away and I haven't quite really come to the full realization yet of just how influential she was on my life Mm. in terms of, um, you know, she, she didn't graduate from high school. She had six kids. She worked very hard, but more than that, she was very resourceful Mm. And so I've started to notice some parallels between me and my mom. As I've grown in this career, um, I've worked a lot on leveraging and being resourceful with the connections I have. And I I notice a lot of parallels, although they looked very different. You know, for my mom, it was, Mm -hmm. you know, she had a bunch of sisters and they would all get their kids together and help each other, you know, with kids and my mom would go work or whatever. So I just really started to notice a lot of parallels there. And then I also will say that there's another podcast I listen to, Bigger Pockets, that has been very inspirational to me. Real Estate Disruptors is another podcast I listen to. And then my business coach, David Morris, um, has been phenomenal in just keeping me moving forward and putting new ideas in my head and allowing me to figure out what this this career looks like for me. That's great. Mm. Yeah. What about you guys? Who's your inspiration? Oh, oh here boy. we go. It's back. You know, we've on never us. been asked this question. Well, um, no, we asked each other. We, we asked each other. Each other. But, but as you were talking, I was just getting choked up because for me, it's definitely my mom. Yeah. Oh, I know. I could cry. <laughs> Once again, it's not. It's not a podcast <laughs> Two until days in Kim a row. cries. But moms, yeah, they uh, when they're not here <laughs> any longer, you really get to kind of remember. Yeah. And it's funny. Well, it's not funny at all, but the morning I woke up after my mom passed away, somebody asked me how I was doing. And I said, you know, nothing ever really prepares you to live in a world where your mom isn't just a phone call away. For sure. Mm. And it just changes your whole being. And then it also impacts who you are if you are a mother Mm -hmm. in in your relationships with your kids, you know? Mm. So Mm -hmm. that's really been so huge for me. And, um, and so I understand like when you say just in general, you know, a parent, a really loving, guiding, inspirational parent is huge. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What about you, Todd? Oh, I thought I was going to sneak <laughs> out of this one. <laughs> Listen, she she should be like running our podcast. I know. <laughs> Spun it right back on her. us and I never saw it coming. Substitute. Uh, well, you know, it's those UNH graduates. They're, they're whip smart, I tell you. Um, I think, uh, I feel like I, I'm always like jumping between uh, different inspirations. I think one that's been kind of lately is, uh, not necessarily the person specifically, but kind of the sentiment, um, the filmmaker, uh, Kevin Smith, it talked at one point about, you know, that you can find a whole bunch of people around who are going to say, you know, why, why are you going to do that? Why do you want to do that? Why would anyone watch that? Why would anyone, this and that? He says, you need to find a b- people who are like, why not? Why, why, why can't you do that? Sure. Why not? 
And I, I feel like I've found that it just in my head, not necessarily from him, but from a lot of different sources of, okay, why not? Why, why can't you do that? Why can't you do this thing? And, and I've, that, that sentiment itself has just kind of been inspiring for me. Yeah, for that's sure. huge. And, and Kim <laughs> rolled her eyes because she is not a Kevin Smith fan. <laughs> but, I like the sentiment, but there yeah. we go. So, well, and so, and I'm sorry to drag this on, but as you were talking, I have to mention that there's been one other inspiration in my life um, that's been huge, and that has been my good friend Scott Bauman. I don't know if you guys know Scott, but he's he owns Iron Legion Gym um, in Westbrook, and he also has an apparel line and a business podcast group that we uh, oh. that a bunch of us are a part of. Cool. And Scott actually, uh, when I was when I became a single mom. I reached out to Scott because I had seen some of his Facebook ads for the gym. And I have to be honest with you, I did not even know what they did at the gym or that it was really a gym. I just saw a picture of him, like this big muscly guy with tattoos and all of these amazing words and quotes written on the wall behind him. Mm-hmm. that really spoke to me in the place that I was in in my life. Mm-hmm. And I reached out to him and basically said, I don't know what you can do. My life's a mess. Can you help me? <laughs> he wrote <laughs> back to awesome. me immediately and was like, yeah, let's meet tomorrow. No worries. We'll get this sorted out. This is, awesome. you know, come meet me. And I was out of shape in a really low place in my life and just feeling like I didn't know what this guy did, but I just felt like he was inspirational in what he was putting out Mm. Um, and all the quotes that he had about, you know, being successful and being just who you are and and valuing yourself and Mm. confidence and things like that. And I went and met with him and he became, and he is one of my best friends. He became a huge inspiration for me. And I didn't know it at the time in that time period, he really was just holding my confidence for me because I didn't Mm. have it. Um, as I was embarking on this new career and as a single mom, I didn't even know that that place was more than just sort of learning how to lift weights. Mm -hmm. It was way more than that for me and became much more in my life. And so, you know, now five years since then, um, Scott and I have become great friends and, he and his wife, Kristen, have just been awesome in my life just to bounce ideas off of. And and we do, but like, he'll call me, I'll call him. I'm trying to convince him that he needs to do like a documentary. <laughs> so, <laughs> mad at me for saying that, but, um, so anyway, I had to, I had to give him a shout out because awesome. he really came into my life at an important time and has helped guide me through being a business owner. That's great. Yeah. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for taking time yes, out of your day and, been awesome. and talking with us. Uh, always, always good to talk to a, a fellow wildcat uh, here <laughs> in Black Bear Country. So that's uh, that was fun in and of itself. Uh, we'll make sure that uh, we have links to all of your uh, your website, phone number, all of that stuff in the show notes. So if you're looking to buy or sell a home, be sure to uh, contact Lisa ASAP, mm-hmm. yeah. if not sooner. Um, and uh, thank you again. And yes. we just wish you great success in the coming years. Yes. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate it so much. And just reach out when you're ready to jam, Todd. Okay. I I will. We'll we'll have to make that another podcast. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again. You're welcome, you guys. <laughs>